Boy, is it hot today. How hot is it? It's so hot my blisters have blisters. It's so hot Kevin Costner started filming a sci-fi epic in my sweat stains. It's so hot my otter pops went extinct. It's so hot I tried taking a cold shower and got third degree burns. It's so hot my crayons are now watercolors. It's so hot I wiped my armpits and I found a message in a bottle. It's Manson Mitchell on the weekend with Gary Manson's Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to power up your day. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. And phew, unbelievable. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We are tucked away in Sarasota, Florida, where it is cooler than Seattle. Incredible. I never thought, I, never thought I'd live to say that. And Nathan, tall guy, Nathan at the board. I feels for you, bro. I'm melting. I'm melting. Oh, cool <laughs> world. Pacific Northwest heat wave. Why? You will be 20 degrees warmer than we are in Florida. So, oh, yuck. boy. I mean, I think I got to blame that on myself. It seems like every time I've been checking the weather on my phone, it goes up one degree. So I've probably checked Stop my phone about checking. 20 times and... Yeah, yeah, good idea, because I'm looking at my phone right now, <laughs> and it's saying 111 on Monday. Oh, Unbelievable. Oh, gosh. No. We played that drop out of sympathy, believe me. <laughs> Comedian Corey Pung, P-U-N-G, on YouTube. Comedian shares 20 it's so hot jokes. <laughs> so if you want some comic relief, Comedian shares 20 it's so hot jokes, a few of which were heard there momentarily by Corey Pung. Thank him for that. That's on YouTube. I just look at this situation from the perspective of somebody who lived over 20 years in Seattle and Puget Sound, and I just can't recall any but the hottest day being 103 degrees. And Suzanne and I were living in Bothell. We had an apartment there, and we were up off the ground. We were above the parking garage, actually. And I remember it being 103, and so I had to devise a solution because naturally we didn't have air conditioning. And so I got a block of ice. I went to the local store, QFC as I recall, and I brought it home and we had a fan already. So we plugged in the fan, I put a chair in the living room and I put this block of ice with a bucket underneath to catch the uh, condensation. And that was our air conditioning for two or three hours. Do you remember that moment, Suzanne? That, that, yes, that was I a do. desperate hour. Yes, I do. We were trying to create our own air conditioning without Freon. And what we ended up with was a lot of wet clothing and wet, you know, bed clothes. Yes. Because the, the fan was putting the wet uh, ice onto us, which I guess we slept. I can't remember. Kind of, sort of. Yeah, I don't know. Fitfully. I don't remember if we dreamed at all that night, but if we did, we were probably dreaming of popsicles. <laughs> I Speaking thought of pops, dreaming, 103 was as hot as I ever experienced in Seattle. And so we are with you folks in spirit and hoping that this will pass very soon for you. In the meantime, stay hydrated. Be cool. Plug in that fan and find a dark corner in which to just relax, go dormant for a little while, and maybe this will go away sooner rather than later. We are with you. All right. We have one of our most favorite A-list guests on today. 
And I, I had to look up how many times she's been on. And to my knowledge, this is number 23. 23. We've, Coming up on we've two been dozen, on, We're right? in our 15th year on air. So she's been with us more than once a year. Lucky for us. Oh, yeah. And that is Kelly Sullivan Walden. She is an inspirational speaker and workshop facilitator, founder of Dream Life Coach Training, which is an online training program to empower people to develop dream mastery, and the host of Ask Dr. Dream on Unity Online Radio. Kelly, along with her husband, Dana, co-founded the Dream Project, a youth-driven, adult-supported initiative that backs the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals by empowering young leaders and inspiring diversity and extreme self-responsibility. More to be asked about that. We will be sure to give out her website before the end of the hour. You can try kellysullivanwalden.com. And for the 23rd time, we are thrilled to have with us Kelly Sullivan Walden. Oh, my heavens. I can't believe it. I, and I'm so I happy I to see you guys. I, I mean, know. It's like the next best thing to being in the room, actually, with you. It We're is. in the Zoom together. We're in the <laughs> Zoom together. In We're the in Zoom the... where it happens. It's very exciting. And it's not we... too hot here. Oh, it isn't. You're in California. It's probably not 110, right? No, it's like 85 today. And I normally think of Seattle as being rainy and cool. 70s. Yeah. Yeah. So my heart's out there with you guys. Yep. So us too. Yep. Our home has a growing number of Kelly Sullivan Walden things in it. <laughs> we hope you can make it out here. We're dedicating a section of our home library to you. My God. You're so in our, our library because you have 10 books or more that you've written <clears throat> on all on dream aspects, which we find so fascinating. Mm. But more recently, you have been doing cards. And I, I've told you before, every Saturday, we pick one card from the Hero's Journey Dream Oracle deck. And today's card could not have been more perfect for me. Ooh. And then uh, um, by myself, very quietly, without Gary, every day I choose an Awakened Dreamer card. And mm. since we got Luminous Humanness, we have read the daily uh, way to go grow and glow to make this our best year yet ever. It's a daily portion. It's a it's a once a day read in Luminous Humanist, which is your most recent thing. And so even though we probably have a hundred questions to ask you, let's start with Luminous Humanist. How did mm. you come up with that name? What were you trying to do? And then I'm going to mm. give you my impression of what it's about. Oh, wow. Okay. All of that. Let's do it. Um, ah, I want to say I was inspired by you guys retroactively before, you know, <laughs> before I met you, but it was, there was a few different things that happened. There was a death experience. Um, I call it a mini death experience. Cause I don't know that I officially died, but I left my body. And I think I could have probably kept on going if I didn't feel such a pull to come back and I and a little bit of feeling like I wasn't done, even though I felt so good on the other side. Um, mm. So I, we could talk 
mm-hmm. for hours on on that. But there was yeah. there was such a feeling that I'll never forget. It was I mean, I've had some really great meditations, really great yoga experiences, some great dreams. All of those things combined don't hold a candle to this feeling that I had on when I was on the other side. Um, it was so it was it, there was just so much love and so much beauty, so much so much liberation and it just kept it felt like there was no end to it it just kept going and going and going and there would be no end to it and I just wanted to keep exploring and I felt in some way if I that it would be possible to bring some of that back with me if I could let go of my attachment to the things that I held so dearly in my waking life my big aha that I came back from that uh, that near death experience was um, summarized in a William Blake quote, who says it much more articulately than I could. He said, "He who binds himself to joy does the winged life destroy, but he who kisses the joy as it flies lives in eternity's sunrise." In other words, don't be so attached. There's bliss in every moment. What were you going to say, Gary? I saw that face. Quite simply, Kelly, what occasion does preternatural peregrination? Oh, well, that too. Uh, <laughs> add a luminous humanness on top of that, and we can have a party. <laughs> All right, say it again. Let's break that down. Well, a near-death experience. People have certain happen? ways yeah. of describing it, and much as you say, but when you're having one, I don't know if you know that during the time you're having it, but when you come back, it's what you call a near-death experience. What was going on with you? Well, I I write about it in detail at the beginning of the book, so I won't go into all the detail, but um, let's just suffice it to say there was a whole bunch of things that led up to this tipping point. The tipping point being a bite and i mean a bite no bigger than my thumbnail of mm. a, of a special cookie that i didn't know was a special cookie at the time that i took the bite of it it was we were having dinner with friends and and it was like oh let's start dinner with dessert let's have a bite we all just you know split this cookie from this wonderful chef friend of mine and and it wasn't until after our meal that all of a sudden this it was like a freight train mm. went through my went through my brain and i wow. was I literally couldn't track it, couldn't keep up with it. And I, I leaned over on my husband's shoulder to just try to gather myself. And while I was there, my hair kind of went in front of my face. So my friends, nobody could see that I just, I was checked out. So they kept talking and they were bantering and they finally said something, Kelly, Kelly. And I was unresponsive and they poked at me and they saw that I was, I had gone limp and they started shaking me. They threw water at me. They slapped me. And then eventually they called 911. And it took a long time because it was a Saturday night in Santa Monica, lots of other places for 911s to go. So it took about 15 minutes to arrive. So I was out for a, at least 15 minutes and having the time of my life, even though my physical form looked like drool and started and was pale. And they said I was turning blue. Um, it was. Wow. I was, I, I went like a slingshot flung into another realm of pure bliss and I left my body and it was the word that came to my mind was relief. 
it felt like such a relief to not be so heavy. And I didn't realize I was heavy. I, I feel like a pretty light person most of the time, but compared to my astral body, whoa, this was cement. It was so, so I just felt free and I just was exploring. And while I was exploring these realms of light, I asked questions mm. strangely about the darker things. I wanted to know about, like while I was ensconced in all this light, I wanted to understand every dark thing, like, you know, uh, the the Holocaust. I wanted to understand Manson. And <laughs> so yeah. what a weird thing to ask about, but I wanted, and I, and I, and I could spend another book writing about what I, what I got from that, but I felt like it made sense. Not that it was condoning, but it all made sense in the big, big, big picture. There was forgiveness. There was, there was healing. There was the people that had been hurt would have a wound that would be an equal portion to their wisdom that was possible for them. It's like, there's this whole thing that just like made sense. And it was just all like, everything was okay. And anyway, so then I, I just felt like I just was blissed out. And then I suddenly became aware of the pandemonium in the room. And then I tried to communicate to them from not in my body. <laughs> I sounded like, oh, I'm okay. And that scared them more than anything. Um, <laughs> and then I just had to pull, pull, pull myself in. And it was like, pulling myself away from the most beautiful bliss I could imagine. So I keep telling Dana, you owe me. You owe me, buddy. Um, and did the book come out after that experience? Then? So this informed it. So this imprint, okay. this right. imprint is right. what I feel like is the is the touchstone that I refer to every time I meditate. And when I was writing this book, Luminous Humanness, I felt like I, I, I was able to tap into that wavelength and write from that place. It's like if... So, so it felt like the luminous, and I, and I called that place of consciousness, luminous humanness. If I could pull it into the human realm, the luminous into the humanness, then that would be a life worth living. That would be worth coming back to earth for. So it was really blissful writing this book during the pandemic, during a very difficult time, during a time that one would be, many people were prone to depression and, and I mean, losing people and people being sick and there's so much worry. But the, every time I would sit and write this book, I would be back in that blissful place. And I just know that it's not just possible for me, but for everybody. All so right. <laughs> Are you ready for my assessment? Yes, please. Please. There was Suzanne. something very different about luminous humanist i did not know the backstory and i did not read the beginning part of the book ah. because it's a 365 day book when we got it in may we ah. started reading that day yep. that day's item and as each day progressed i kept saying to gary this is different this is different this is different yeah and i'll tell you how i i feel that it's different in the, in the other cards specifically, uh, in the Hero's Journey cards and in the Awakened Dreamer cards, they are very uh, positively motivating. Mm. And I would say in some ways, um, aspirational. Like you, you can be inspired mm. by reading your hero's journey card you can be inspired by the awakened dreamer 
And so they are, they take you, they take you by the hand to a very positive place to think about things. And mm -hmm. it is interesting that we have all of this going on in our yeah. living room. <laughs> uh, because what I, what I said to Gary about luminous humanness is it, the tone of it has, has nothing to do with aspiration or being inspired it is all about revealing what is mm. Mm. revealing what is when you already know that everything is okay. Ooh. Ooh. I, I, I want to read June 23. It was my grandmother's birthday. Mm. So I just wanted to <clears throat> choose one and then we'll talk about that a little sure. bit more. June 23 entry is you are intact. There is a part of you that has never been touched by the drama of the world. No matter what you've been through, you can call on your true nature, the you that has never been bruised, tarnished, or even ruffled by harshness. The more you remember and access this, the more your center grows to become your circumference. And the affirmation for June 23 was the true me is the part that has never been hurt. The rest is my story. Mm. And so I really got that so much of the book was about pulling back the curtain mm. and showing the truth of who we are. We don't need to strive. We don't need to get mm. better. We don't need to be fixed you know, all the stuff that we are trying to do in this dimension, you know, I want to be a better person. Mm. And mm. luminous humanist is written from the standpoint of you don't need to try and be anything. You already are that stuff. Oh my God. Susanna. That's what I got. Okay. That's what I got. Um, uh, and I'm going to request you put, post that on Amazon. That'll be a review of all reviews. Holy Lord. You know, I can do that. I'd be happy to My do that God. You. you know what? That's so true. Because you know what? The time that I wrote this, I mean, the time that I had that death experience and I and I got that download, Yeah. I hadn't, I had written my first book, but I didn't know when or where the second one would come from or what. There wasn't a... I had so many projects that felt, sorry to be harsh about this, but um, like stillbirths, like mm -hmm. partial projects, because we were in the process of moving out of our, it was during the 2008, it was 2008, it was 8-8-2008, it was my birthday. So mm -hmm. it was a harsh time. We were moving to Santa Fe to a beautiful place, but it was like, we're moving to a yurt out of our big house and we were letting everything go. And I felt like a loser. I felt like everything that I had aspired to, I mean, I, in the packing, it was like all these broken partial dreams. And I felt like, you know, I wasn't worth anything. So there was something really refreshing about leaving my body. It was like good riddance, Yeah. but I got that. Oh my God my life isn't about all my stuff. Yes. It's not about that. Yeah. I am, I am intact. Yeah. Oh, Suzanne, it really touches me that you tapped into that, that vibration of it, because I feel like that, that is the most important piece 
of the whole thing that I, that I wish to communicate in this. And no one that I've talked to yet in reflection of the book has, has um, brought that part up. So thank you. You are quite welcome. And I will be happy to do an Amazon review. I don't do very many of them, but (laughs) I would be honored to do it for you. This is very different. And when people go here on a daily basis, it isn't going to be about inspiration. And I, I use all the stuff. I use all the cards. I use all the stuff. It is really about uh, knowing who you are at the innermost core level without all the other stuff. Wherever you are and whatever you're doing and whatever you're in the midst of, that's yeah. the truth of you, period. Everything yeah. else is yeah. the story. Yeah, I really got that it was the truth about about who we are as human beings. And, you know, we, we do keep wanting to be different, be better, all that kind of stuff. And and that, and I, I told Gary, I'm sorry, honey, if you want to go to Starbucks <laughs> or something, I'll finish this interview. Gary's I, got so much to say. We'll make room for you, Gary. Oh, my we God. Will. We're just we chatting promise. here. We promise. Will you promise. get me a cafe latte? I'll have cafe. And the extra foam, right? This this really goes, this is so perfect as to what I wanted to talk to you about today. And I, I didn't tell you what I wanted to talk to you about, but I told this to Gary twice. I said, I want to talk to Kelly today about dreams that change our lives. Mm. And let me tell you how this relates to what you said, because it's like creepy and it's making my skin (laughs) tickle. And that is, there is a reality in dreams, which is different from our waking reality. Yeah. Now you were in another reality, Uh not dreaming, not waking, but a third place. Yeah. But, but what happens in our dreams really has an effect in this reality. Yeah. Dreams have that power. Yeah. And and so I I wanted to talk about and and ask you about different uh realities and the power that dreams have to shift us and our perspectives in this reality. Oh, I'm looking at my bookshelf. There's hold on one second. Hold that thought. Okay. Here. I'm holding my thought. <laughs> Gary, you like to say Don't look so. at me. I'm making the run to Starbucks. That I collaborated on. Oops. <laughs> Gary. So sorry, honey. You can have the whole second half of this show. <laughs> there's, a book, there's a book that I collaborated on called Dreams That Change Our Lives. I'll have to send this oh to you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, there's my intuition working overtime again. So this is a compilation book by the by a lot of the people from the International Association for the Study of Dreams. It's, a, it's actually published by the IASD, um, Robert Haas and Robert Gandalf for the editors. And so they asked a, a bunch of us to contribute a story that changed our lives. So every story in this book is, is one of those wow. dramatic life-changing dreams that led to a dramatic life change. And <clears throat> I think, I mean, in general, should I just tell you the story that say I put in what, here? But sure. Maybe we yeah. should have Gary say something first before I tell this story. No, listen, I don't want to disturb the flow. <laughs> Gary, you would, you only add, you only add to it. He does. You he heard does. it here. Take us to the break, Kelly. Tell us the story. So I, um, one of my most recurring dreams was embarrassingly about my first love that I had when I was 
I met when I was 11, 11 through 13. So um, he was my first love, first kiss, first handholding, first skate, first base, first everything, first everything. And, and then he broke my heart and he dumped me and I was shattered. And as much as that doesn't seem like how could an how could an 11 12 year old be shattered by that i was julia romeo and juliet were 13 for god's yep. sake so they were young anyway so after that and we got back together i redeemed myself i got to break up with him ultimately and haha but i never i never came back to that vulnerability that part of me it's like i lost that part of me that could just love with abandon so i've had a series i've probably had thousands of dreams featuring this guy in mm. various experiences of him dumping me always going and eh, nah i'll and, and me always trying what if i tap dance a little <laughs> anyway so finally I started noticing, all right, if I'm going to have these dreams, I'm going to, I'm going to work with them. I'm going to let them help me become lucid. And I started to re realize that he is a part of myself. Everyone in the dream is us. He's the rejecting part of me that I'm mm. always trying to please. So what if I work on this outside of the dream? What if I work? What if I embrace that part of me? What if I love myself so much? Let me see if the litmus test could be, could show up in this dream. So little by little, every time he would start to show up in the dream, he would start to notice me a little more. He would start to pay attention. He would, and eventually he started to chase after me and I had to be the one. And there was finally a dream where we're playing softball and I can't remember exactly what happens in the dream, but on the softball field, we have this lovely kiss. He wants more. And I say, thank you so much, but I think we're complete thank you. And I get to be the one to still with an open heart, walk away. And I, and mm. I haven't had that dream since, but there's been, it was really a subtle, subtle series of dreams, but powerful in my way <laughs> to me, because I feel like it, it represented my own self-love and my wow. stopping beating myself up. And that was, that was the dream that I shared in here. Probably many of the other dreams are much more dramatic and full of aliens and unicorns, but this dream Please. did change my life. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Did you have one? Enough I, with the unicorns. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll hear these metaphysical talks sometimes, and I swear to God, they got to work in a unicorn somewhere. Just they did will it. not let you go home without hearing about the damn unicorn. <laughs> Here's so I wanted to come. mention this, Kelly. Now, this young gentleman, this young Swain, there who broke up with you and then you got to break up with him in real life this was an IRL experience yes in real life I I ultimately did but in this dream series and this wasn't that long ago this was only a few years ago I've had these dreams for decades where right. he's be rejecting me rejecting me and I'd be like again he broke up with me again oh my god I'm a 45 year old woman I mean this is I'm now 52 <laughs> but it's like how this little squirt this little 11 year old like how could he keep breaking my heart but he hasn't in years because I feel like the litmus test of this dream was me finally coming to love myself enough and and not and so I was able to let him go in the dream I brought it up because there is a part of me that feels like there, even though such a young man, a boy, a kid, there, 
there might have been some part of him that was guilt ridden over the way it was handled. And, you know, sometimes I don't know mm. how you ladies handle it, but sometimes us mm. guys will allow for something like that. We, we acquiesce in a breakup mm. that is kind of a revenge thing or seeking justice. And we do that because some part of us feels that we need to be punished for what we did originally. Oh, interesting. Well, that adds a whole other layer of complexity to it. Just what I thought I had it all nipped in the bud. Okay. Um, I'm not exactly. Don't bring that dream back for her. Gary. Thanks, Gary. Thank you. I'm going to have to write a whole other damn book about it. Hey, you mess with the unicorn, you get the horn. Oh my God. I guess I want to, I want to hear more about what you meant by that, because that felt like a, a new ish you know, newish thing. I don't know if there's, I know that there's a break somewhere coming up, but right I'd love now, to hear. in fact. Okay. Well then Talk I guess I'll hear it about it over side. the break. Sure. We are Manson Mitchell. Kelly Sullivan Walden is our guest. She has this beautiful new book out. I mean, this is really going to stand out on your library shelf. No doubt about it. Luminous humanness, 365 ways to go grow and glow to make this your best year yet. And if following 2020, believe me, you're off to a head start if you're enjoying any part of 2021. It's a wonderful book. Kelly's wonderful. And we will return shortly, continuing our interview. Stick with us. We are Manson Mitchell, and you were tuned in to AM 1150. We'll be right back. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to mansonmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is mansonmitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. 
and you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed first-time guest Kate Ekman, who teaches us how to strengthen our spiritual core in a full spirit workout. On Saturday, put on your dancing shoes and enjoy Independence Day boomer music favorites when we play DJs for a day. It's like Hamilton without the ticket hassle. Bringing you mastery and mystery and occasionally some music since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk AM 1150. No other station delivers this much variety. Alternative Talk 1150. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to Manson Mitchell, our very, very special guest, Kelly Sullivan Walden. We are so happy to have her. Kelly, you have many truly wonderful books about dreaming, dream interpretation. Such a great place to start. And you have cards more recently. Tell our listeners how they can connect with you, where they can get stuff, what they can get, anything that you would like to share. Thank you so much. So my website is the hub of all those things, kellysullivanwalden.com. And if that's too hard to spell, you can go to I had the strangestdream.com. There's a button there called shop and you can go and get all my products there and including my latest book, Luminous Humanness. And just hot off the griddle, literally two days ago, the Luminous Humanness meditation app just came out. So for Android or iOS, um, wherever you get your apps, you can get the Luminous Humanness meditations. It's based on um, the book. It's been inspired by that. So that's an exciting thing. The the Hero's Journey Meditations just won a, a cover award. They won the gold award. So that's it's not an app yet, but you can get those meditations and you can use them as an app. Just put them in your iTunes store, just download them. Um, and upcoming... There's a workshop that I have. It's it's a little bit of a departure. I do I I have ongoing Wild Women Wednesdays. So if any woman or man who wants to dress in drag wants to come on Wild Women Wednesdays, it's the first Wednesday of every month from three to five Pacific time. So you can go to my website and find out about that. Also, because I've written a bunch of books, I've got a lot of people in my life saying, how do you write books? I've got a book in me and I've never been able to write it. I have a workshop coming up called Get Her Done. And it's actually going to be a nine-month process of meeting once a week. And in that process, if you do all the things I tell you to do, you're going to have a first draft of your book. You're going to get her done. And that starts in September. It'll be the first Tuesday in September through the last Tuesday in May of 2022. So it's going to be intensive and it will be, I'm going to be cracking the whip, but I'm going to introduce people to industry professionals and really help people to get their godforsaken for the love of God, books done, the ones that they've had in them that they just (laughs) want to get done and just haven't so far been able to do. I'm going to support them with everything I've got. So that's on my website. It's the Get Her Done Workshop. 
That's great. Everybody does have a book in them. Sometimes they don't know it, but yeah, yeah, everybody has at least one book in them, even if Mm -hmm. they're only telling their own story. Yeah. You know, you start scratching the surface on anybody and and everybody's got a really great story to tell. Mm -hmm. I I told you, we we pull the Hero's Journey cards uh, every Saturday morning over coffee. And the one that I pulled today was number 42 in the Castle of Dreams, become altered by the color of your dreams. And that was uh, my, my thoughts about talking about dreams and how they interface with this reality came up before I pulled the card, then I pulled the card. And then I reiterated to Gary, you know, there are dreams that we have. And I think you've talked about this in several of your books where people will dream their way about either how to get healthy or how to meet somebody or how to uh, become more prosperous. Mm -hmm. There are things that happen in our dreaming life that are really meant to be communications Mm -hmm. to our waking life. And so, you know, I wanted you to, you know, tell some stories and, and tell people how they can do that on purpose. Yes. Yes. Um, the, the two books of mine that really speak to this are the two chicken soup for the soul books, dreams and premonitions and dreams and the unexplainable filled with books. uh, I mean, similar to dreams that change lives. It's, it's, they're filled with stories of dreams that really made a difference. Um, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of, there's so many, I mean, that literally changed people's lives. One woman who, who was getting sick and her husband kept having a dream about this very bizarre name. And he, he wrote it down. It was so many syllables. I mean, it was like, you can't even imagine how many letters were in this. And he wrote it all down and he took it to her oncologist. And he said, yeah, that is a, that is a rare type of cancer. This, whatever, however you spell it with all these letters. And she had been being treated for a more common type of cancer, but they began to look at, well, maybe there's a message here. Turns out, yes, she did have this particular rare kind of cancer. The protocol was very different than the one she'd been given. They gave it, they gave her the new protocol and it saved her life and she's alive and well. And it's like, how, like, how is that possible? I mean, there's so yes. many, I get chills every time I think about that. And then there's the, the story about the woman who, who, um, oh, there's so many, the woman who um, dreamt about a man that she hadn't seen wearing this very specific flannel shirt. And she was a committed, she was committed to being single. She wanted to be the empowered single woman among all of her coupled friends and she wasn't really looking for the guy but she told a friend of hers who was intent on being a matchmaker about this dream that she had about this really cool guy in her dream and she in the description her friend said I know this guy he lives out of state he lives he's a friend of a friend from high school blah 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 she ended up getting them in touch with each other sure enough this was the guy from the dream and they they fell in love and turns out he was he was her guy and so there's just so many great stories like this, how we can have, so it's, I think part of how we 
can have these kind of dreams is first to hear stories about people that one woman who won the lottery, for example, because of the numbers that came to her in a dream at a time when her life was falling apart, losing everything, her business, her home. And then these lot these lottery numbers kept coming to her and she played them in one. So we hear stories like this and we get a little FOMO, like, where's mine? Why do they get to have all the lucky dreams? Well, we we have to have a, that little bit of like, I want, I want to remember a dream like that. The wanting, the desire, the intent is the beginning of it. And if we think about that, that hunger, that desire right before we go to bed, then it's it's like we're we're sending the dream maker the message, okay, I'm paying attention. Then we have our dreams let them be whatever they be. And then we pay attention when we wake up in the morning after we've had the night before a strong intent, AKA that's called a dream incubation or a dream declaration, as I prefer to call it. And then we, if we unpack that dream, we'll often find that there is an answer to our question, even if it's coded and it's more often then not going to be coded, going to not be something that we recognize. But if we pay attention to it, shine some light on it, and then take it to the next place where we act on it, then we start to notice, oh my God, this higher intelligence is communicating to me through my dream. And we strengthen the feedback loop every time we act on it. And I'm in mind of two different kinds of dreaming, the one receptive and the other mm. more active directive. Really. Yes. Yeah. I have gotten information by asking for it. And so I'm in receptive mode. I've done this any number of times and I get information. There's nothing as dramatic as what you've articulated, which makes for great talk radio. So thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Those are great real life stories. I'm sometimes just getting myself out of a practical jam is aided by asking for information from my dreams. And I get those answers with a hundred percent reliability. No, mm -hmm. but a pretty good batting average as it were. And then there's the kind of dream where mm -hmm. I want something. I yeah. want to get somewhere. I want to achieve something. And yeah. by being active directive, I find myself engaging in a creative process that also works pretty well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think we can bring all of it. Um, so a lot of people at a point like this will say, well, let's all become lucid dreamers, because if we're lucid in our dreams, then we can direct the dream and then we can make things happen. I, I'm not a lucid dreamer. I mean, I dream, I've had a few lucid dreams, but mostly I think there's something about surrendering to the higher intelligence of the dream, almost from the perspective that throughout our day, our ego is running the show most of the time. I don't know that I want my ego to run the show at night too. I feel like the, there's a natural dropping of the baton of the, of the ego and the higher intelligence taking over in its wonky, wild way, but higher, more intelligent way. So there's a part of me that I feel like the perfect combination is, okay, here's the question that I have for you, dream maker. This is what I want to know about. Now I'm going to sleep. I hand over the baton to you and I'm letting go and then let the dreams be whatever they may be. But my job is to go out of my way in the morning to re remember at least a piece of the dream and then write it down and then kind of compare the notes between my question and what I dreamed and to see how these match up. And can I throw out like some, something that's a little bit strange, a sure. little bit new on the edge? Do we have a second for this? Oh yeah. 
So I'm in the process of, of putting up a web page. It will be called Searching for Satya, S-A-T-Y-A. There's a, there's a woman who went missing in Topanga Canyon nine years ago, and I just became aware of this. I just met her mom and got the full story the other day. And the authorities, the psychics, nobody knows where this woman is. She was a young, beautiful, creative, intelligent, yoga teaching, like spiritually seeking girl, a, a woman that would be listening to this show right now but who felt a little bit on the fringes, like I don't quite fit into this world, but adamant that she would never take herself out. But she went missing nine years ago. And this woman, her mother is kind of, she said, you're into dreams, right, Kelly? Sometimes dreams can help to reveal information, right, Kelly? Do you think you could help me? And I'm like, I'm going to try. So I'm, I'm, I'm starting a podcast that's just dedicated to here's all the information about Satya, S-A-T-Y-A. And let's, let, let's allow some people while you're dreaming for yourself, also throw out to the dream maker, where's Satya? Her real, her given name was Tess, but we know from a couple clues that she changed her name to Satya. So we're hmm. referring to her as that. And I, to see if we can help this, this mother that has just, will never come to peace unless she knows what happened to her daughter, whether she's deceased or not, um, kind of, I'm, I'm going to call on the dreamers to see if they can help us find, find this woman or find out what happened to her. So and it's it, using dreams in a very practical way. And that's, you know, mm -hmm. that's part of what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the interface of the, yeah. the dream life and the, and the waking life is, um, you know, how can, how can you use one to help the other? And mm -hmm. you're talking about doing that in a, in a very concrete way you know, to do that. But you need to remember your dreams. You need to write them down. When we had you on 23 times ago, you said journal, journal, journal. And the other thing yeah. that I, I heard you say more recently, including today was even a piece is helpful. You don't oh, need yeah. the entire dream. No. Sometimes just the piece that you remember is enough. Yeah. I like to say that I read a quote John, where John Muir said, one leaf in a forest contains the entire leaf and it contains the entire forest. So, oh, so like you, a hologram. Okay. It's a hologram. So one yeah. piece of a dream, if you really just be humble and willing, often we'll look at one piece of a dream and say, that's nothing. Ah, I'm not going to waste my time. But if we do put our focus on it, we can unpack that one little symbol and get so much. Debbie Spector Weissman, who was in my Chicken Soup for the Soul book, Dreams and Premonitions, had that, I don't know if I told you about her codpiece dream. All she got was the word codpiece. And that made no sense to her. She wasn't into heavy metal bands, not into anything that had anything to do. And do you even know what, I'm sure, Gary, you know what a codpiece is. Yes. Because you know everything. <laughs> I do not. <laughs> my, my phone knows everything. Oh, Google. When I have a question, I ask I my phone. <laughs> I know unicorns and I know cod pieces. And some unicorns actually wear cod pieces over their horns to protect their horns. Anyway, it's, it was a medieval piece of clothing that, that knights would wear covering their 
their special places, <laughs> their family. It's a medieval jockstrap. Let's there just call go. it like it is. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm all befuddled. Anyway, she dreamt about that. And that one symbol led her on an odyssey of self-discovery and unraveling. She realized that she had been like that. The the cod piece was, was protecting what was sacred and potent in her if everything in the ah, dream is us and and yeah. then and so she was and she realized that she had been very protected she hadn't been exposed so she wouldn't get hurt and mm. life was like a battle for her a medieval battle and revealing revealing and now she's she's so out there she's written a bunch of books and she's got a podcast and she's just this little introvert is is out in the world in such a beautiful way she's got a dream podcast called dream dream power radio so i mean it's it's amazing what the work on this one dream did just one little symbol yes it doesn't have to be the full dream from beginning to end you can take a piece of it and yeah i like the hologram idea that that the entire is contained in the single piece and in some way it makes it easier because we can get so lost in the convoluted dreams that have oh, so yeah. much, there's such a glut of information. It can yes. be like, oh, what am I supposed to do? We just kind of gloss over. But if there's one symbol, it's kind of elegant. Mm-hmm. We could just yeah. be like, just ask ourselves, well, what is, what does that mean? What does it feel like? What do I, where in my life does this relate? What do I do with that? If this was trying to give me a message, what would that be? We could just drop into the, the specificity of that one symbol and get in some way it's, you know, more than we could in a, in a full blown three act play dream. Mm. Mm -hmm. Have you had dreams at all or particularly recently, Kelly, where someone deceased on the other side, as we say, has visited you, whether with words of wisdom or to tell you I love you or to just be with you? Oh, actually, I have. My friend Gypsy, um, she passed away almost exactly a year ago. It'll be a year in two days. Mm-hmm. And I've had wow. some beautiful dreams with her. Um, one where she was giving me very direct advice about her daughter, Isabella. And kind of, so I, I reached out to her daughter who was having a, um, understandably her daughter, she's got two young daughters that are my, both my goddaughters. And sometimes they're off doing their life. So I'm not on them every day, but Gypsy was like, you got to be on Bella. And so I, I, I reached out and I'm, and I'm going to, again, now that I'm even bringing this up. So I, I have, there's been, and those are always very sacred to me when I have those. And I think for people who have lost a loved one, which is about everybody. And if you haven't that, you know, it's, it's going to happen. If we're lucky enough to be alive for a certain period of time, we're going to lose somebody. When we have a dream about a departed loved one, that can be so healing and give us insight and help us to build the bridge of relationship with their new, the new version of them. So we don't feel completely cut off. How about you guys? Have you had any or heard of any? These I've of had them, my parents, particularly once in a while, a friend or a relative. The, I, I had uh, Gypsy in mind. That's why I brought this up. I'm glad you told us that. Oh. But also, I, I feel like 
I want to invite them into my dreams, but I'm also yeah. mindful of not wanting to intrude on what are, whatever they have going on over there. I'm told by mediums all the time, we don't summon. And that's not where I'm coming from either. But sometimes you just want to invite someone from your past into your present dreams yeah. in order to relax with them. Maybe there are issues to clear up. Maybe it's an expression of love. But there's just seems an implicit invitation in the dream world that you can actually bring someone forward if they are willing and communicate with them. It's so true. There was a woman in a dream workshop I did years ago who was just really upset at the end of the workshop and it had been a lovely workshop. And she just said, my husband passed away about a year or two ago and he was very big on dreams. Why hasn't he communicated to me? Like this just doesn't make any sense that I haven't gotten a dream from him. And I'm feeling so hurt every time I hear about people having these kind of dreams. I'm, it pisses me off because I, of all people, like he should be communicating to me. I said, okay, so we did a whole session on this. And the bottom line was, I said, sometimes it's easier for people on the other side to actually communicate with other people that have, that are less emotionally distraught over the loss. Um, I, for example, dreamt about my friend Krista's dad when he passed away, not knowing that he had passed away. And she was like, why, why did he come to you and not me? It's like, maybe because I just had a neutral energy. It was easier to get through. There wasn't a ton of grief in my space to get through. So I asked her to create a ritual before she went to sleep where she wrote a long letter, wrote a letter to get all of her upset out of the way, all of her hurt, her sadness, and not all of it because she could never get it all out, but to, but to get mo as much of it out as possible and end that letter to him with a request. If it, if it's possible, could you communicate with me? I would, I'm available and I trust your timing. I love you. Amen. And she lit a candle, put a picture of him by her nightstand and fell asleep. And lo and behold, you'll never guess what happened. What she do you think? About him. Yeah. Oh my God. Lawrence came to her in the most magnificent dream. And it was, mm. I mean, it was, it was an award ceremony. He was giving, he was receiving an award and then he dedicated it to her. It was so, they got to kiss, they hugged. It was like an extraordinary dream. So there's something about the clearing process of getting, like make, becoming an available receptacle, a channel for which this kind of dream could land. And then allowing that intent to be pure and having an open open policy, open door policy. So we're not demanding that it happen tonight, but saying I would really love it if it did. And I trust the process, but I am paying attention. So mm -hmm. that's kind of the perfect combination. And who are we to know that we're not getting dreams from our, de our departed loved ones every single night? We just don't remember. We, even those of us who remember a lot of dreams are only remembering a fraction of the yeah. dreams that we actually have. So we yeah. may be getting so many more that are just whew, passing us by. So, you know, there's, we have to be light with Very it, good. yet specific. Get a dream journal. Find, Get a, a find an empty journal. notebook, anything. But or use your phone. Your dreams. Or use your phone. I, I just dictate it, press the microphone and I put it in a, in a note, in the note Excellent. folder. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you for number 23, Kelly. It's a good number. Oh my God. I love number. you guys so much. I'm giving you the biggest virtual squeeze right now. A zoom hug. Ooh, it is. I can pop you.
<laughs> you both are so you're the poster children for luminous humanness i'm so grateful that we get to do this and i get to see you on zoom Kelly sullivan walden All thank right. you so much my dear coming up next jupiter rising with eileen grimes everybody stay cool out there by any means necessary you will get through this